Well, I'm very excited for the message today. We are in the book of Acts. Uh, since you brought a Bible, go ahead and turn with me to Acts chapter 20. But you may notice this podium is about as high as my kneecaps, which means that our speaker is a little height challenged. But it's actually my favorite uh, communicator, my favorite preacher. This person has been my closest friend in ministry my entire ministry career and has preached to me, at me, a lot. Uh, but she and I are um, best of friends. She's my wife of 20 years, and she is the pastor of this church with me. Would you give it up for Stephanie Burnett, everybody? Come on now. It's just for you. Well, good morning, church. How's everyone doing today? Who's glad to be in God's house today? Right. I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen. So I'm really thankful to be a part of a church where lives are being changed every single day. I don't know if you've thought of this before, but we have small groups that meet every single day of the week. So think of that. Every day someone's being prayed over, they're being encouraged, they're being challenged in their faith. I mean, it's amazing. We get to do ministry and we're in this thing together. So who's ready for the word this morning? I'm just gonna jump right in if that's okay with you. So like Mike said, since you brought your Bible, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 20. And today my message is called Stay Awake. Everybody say, stay awake. And you're going to see why it's called that in just a minute. But first, I have a question for you. So have you ever fallen asleep or struggled to stay awake through something that was really important? Anybody? Okay. All right. You knew you were supposed to be paying attention, but your eyes were just so heavy. Maybe it was a work meeting or a training that you were supposed to be a part of, or husbands, I know you would never do this when your wife is telling you something very important and they're just talking and you look over and they're sleeping while you're telling them something, Mike. Um, <clears throat> so for me, my struggle was always when I was in school, <laughs> supposed to be paying attention. So my senior year in high school, I was an AP Calc. And once I knew I was going to be studying music in college the next year, I mean, I don't exactly think I needed that upper level math class, you know, to study classical music. So anyways, man, Mr. Vogley, nicest teacher you'll ever meet, but he would teach the lesson and then he'd say, okay, class, now I've heard it said if, if you play Mozart in the background, you're going to be so smart while you're working on your assignment. And so he'd put that CD in and, 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 and I'd be listening. That spirit of tired would come all over me often in that class. Or, or maybe it was my medieval civ class at UT with Dr. Moses. And that was a Tuesday, Thursday class. And you know if you've taken a Tuesday, Thursday class, that's an hour and a half. That's too long, too long. But Anyways, what a blessing that class was. Um, so today, the message that we're going to, the story that we're going to read about, it's the only time in the Bible where we see someone fall asleep in church. So um, if you've had trouble staying awake during Mike's message, this is for you today. So, so let's get caught back up with where we are. We've been going through the book of Acts as a church, and we've spent the last several weeks in Acts chapter 19. And, and so let's remind ourselves what the Apostle Paul has been up to. So the Apostle Paul, he would preach at the beginning of Acts 19 and give good teaching, and then that was followed by revival, which is great. And then we saw persecution, and we saw rioting, and we recognized and remembered that serving God's not always easy. There are people that are going to be antagonistic towards the gospel, but it's always worth it because lives are being changed. Amen? So today, we're going to pick the story up in Acts chapter 20, verse 7. 
So let me set it up for you. We have Paul and his traveling companions. So all the places that Paul is traveling, he would go with people. He didn't travel alone. So it says that Paul and his traveling companions, they come together and they're gonna meet up in the city of Troas with seven other men. And these men are listed in the beginning of Acts chapter 20. So just scan with me at the beginning of Acts chapter 20. I'm not gonna read those opening verses, but the men that he were with, if you look at it on your phone or your Bible, it says that these were the men named Sopater, Aristarchus, Secondus, Gaius, Timothy, Tychicus, and Trophimus. So now he's got his whole squad, the people he's traveling with, these seven men, which by the way, these are probably pastors from churches that he was planting as he was traveling. So think of it like um, the campus pastors were coming together to hear Paul teach, as well as other disciples there in trust. So he's got his whole squad together. And they stayed there, the Bible says, for seven days. And on the seventh day, the last night, is where we pick up this story. So big picture, where are we at in the book of Acts? Okay, Paul has been on three missionary journeys and he's wrapping up his last journey. So that's where we are. So he's in Troas, but he's eventually wanting to get Jerusalem. So he's in the last night at Troas and he's gonna preach and he's gonna share and he's with the local disciples. So right away, what we begin to see is that there is an eagerness and excitement for them to gather and have church. Now, I mean, they're gonna have church. So listen, they were definitely passionate people. So let's read, we're in Acts chapter 20. Verse seven, and it says, on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, them meaning all those people we just talked about, those seven men, other disciples that are gathered together, intending to depart on the next day. So they wanted to leave town the next day. And he prolonged his speech, Paul prolonged his preaching until midnight. Did you hear that? Midnight. Okay, we're going to get to that in a second. But I wanted to point out a few things first. Did you notice that it said on the first day of the week when we were gathered, they broke bread together? And that's the first time we see in Scripture where as a church they gathered on a Sunday. And we know that they were breaking bread together, meaning like they were taking communion, um, having the Lord's Supper together. I just think that's kind of cool because even today we still repeat that custom of gathering on a Sunday. And also, I want you to know this, this small detail, but it's important. It says on the first day of the week when we were gathered. So that's first person. So who's writing this? Remember, the author of the book of Acts is Luke. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, and then he wrote Acts. They say, some um, commentators and scholars say that Luke-Acts go together. So Luke part one, the Gospel. Luke part two is what we're looking at as Acts here. So Luke is on this journey. He's an eyewitness for what's happening here. Starting in the 16th chapter, of Acts is where we see that first person. But let's get to the important part. So it says that they wanted to leave town the next day, but did you hear that he preached until midnight? Okay, we need to talk about this. You think that Mike preaches a long time. Oh my goodness, okay? You see, in our culture, preaching till midnight, and you have to understand, they, they started meeting in the evening. So it's not like they met on a Sunday morning like us. They were meeting starting in the evening, and they went till midnight, but that's still a very long service. But I want you to know in other cultures around the world and other countries, even today, that they will meet for up to four to five hours for a church service. Can you imagine a four-hour church service, anybody? <laughs> Mike said, yes, I can. <laughs> But listen, you have to remember too, in other places in the world, they will also walk on foot four to five hours just to get to a service. So if you're going to walk four hours on foot, you're not going to want to show up for a one hour service and then leave, right? Like they're going to have church. 
So we might think, well, we're spoiled around here. Maybe we're not spoiled. So Pastor Mike Campbell, our missions pastor, he says that we're, we're doing ministry in other parts of the world, and he says that sometimes people walk seven to 10 miles on a Sunday morning just to get to church. Look, some of you, it took seven to 10 minutes in your car, okay? Seven to 10 miles. Or like a special event, his wife Jada will preach a women's conference that's a couple days long, and people will, these women will walk two days just to get to the conference, and then they'll sleep on the floor at the church just to hear the message of the Lord. So there was an obvious passion of these people to sit under good teaching and hear the word since he was preaching till midnight. There was an obvious hunger from these disciples. They were eager. There was an excitement. They were expectant. Paul had many words to share. I don't think he was rushing. They wouldn't have stayed until midnight if they weren't glad to be together and be in God's house. And David says it this way in the Psalms. In Psalm 69.9, he said, zeal for your house has consumed me. In other words, passion for God's house has consumed me. And that same verse is actually restated in John chapter two where Jesus is with his disciples. Listen, we need to have a passion for God's house. David said it in the Psalm like this. I was glad when they said to me, read it with me, let us go to the house of the Lord. They couldn't wait to show up for church. So what does it look like to have a passion for the house of the Lord? Did you know that some people in our own church, they have moved from across the country just to stay connected here at LifePoint? Or some people I know have turned down other jobs in other places just so that they can be a part of what God's doing here in Clarksville. And that's very, very humbling actually. So what's your hunger level for God? Did you know that um, every time a new iPhone comes out, people will stand and wait in line for many hours just to get a new phone? Have you guys heard of that before? In fact, Mike told me last night, there's this world record that this man stood in line. What was it, 10 days? 10 days to get the iPhone 4. <laughs> Think about that. Or people will travel the country spending thousands of dollars to go watch their favorite sports team play a game like the Vols in the national championship this year. Think of people standing in line for Black Friday, okay? All, they will stand in line all night sometimes, camp out just for a discounted item. Like, okay, okay. Well, I don't know if you guys heard, but for Queen Elizabeth and her uh, funeral, people stood in line to see the coffin, not even her body, the coffin for 24 hours. That's a five mile line, five mile long line, there we go, to not even see her body, just the casket. So think of the things that we are passionate for in our lives and think of the things that we go to great lengths to spend our money on or our time on. But when it comes to church, we want it to be done in one hour and we want songs that are not unfamiliar to us and the pastor certainly can't go long because you know, I have to get to my favorite restaurant after all. We want it convenient, we want it comfortable, we want it familiar. Or maybe it's in our time with Jesus where our personal devotion, we just don't seem to have the commitment or the time. And if you're not sure where your time went, um, probably just check your screen time. Maybe that's my problem. And it is my problem because I've set limits on apps and I know that about myself. The Lord will be knocking on my heart's door and I'm like, hang on God, scroll, scroll. But listen, the disciples, they were listening to Paul preach and they weren't in a rush. They valued time with the Lord and in his house. So what kind of hunger do we have for God? for his word, to hear the word, study the word, train ourselves. When's the last time you got lost in prayer and you just kept seeking God? We want people to be hungry for the things of God. 
So to grow in your hunger for God, I have a few thoughts to share. And you can write this down. The first one is commit that you're going to attend church and go to small group. Just make it a commitment. Go all in with church. Nothing is going to get in the way of me going to church. Secondly, commit that you're going to spend time reading and studying God's word. Listen, there is no substitute for God's word. There's no amount of Christian books you can read, blogs you can read. Even listening to a sermon is great, but that is no substitute for you and God right here, learning his word together. Be passionate about hearing God's voice. And by the way, this is how we hear God's voice, right? We, we pray, we talk to him, and then he speaks to us through his word and in other ways. Be passionate for worship. What an amazing worship set that we heard this morning, but this isn't the only place we're gonna worship. I can worship in my car. I can worship at the dinner table. I can worship when I'm getting lunches ready for the kids, right? We can worship all the time. Be passionate for serving. Hey, November 5th, we have a serve day coming up. I think all of us in here have something we can do to bless somebody in our city. So the holidays are coming. Maybe you can help someone get their tree out, an elderly person, or help someone with their yard work as winter is approaching. Or maybe you can write notes of appreciation to our nursing home that's just down the street from your house. What can you and your kids do to be a blessing? And kids, by the way, are most excited to serve others. So get your kids involved. I love doing that. So these are some of the ways that we can develop our hunger and passion for the Lord. Keep going and keep growing. And you think, I've already tried that. I've been working towards that. Listen, don't quit. Keep going. Just pick back up where you left off and don't feel guilty about what you haven't done. Today is a new day, so let's keep going. So the people listening to Paul had a passion. But now we're going to look at Paul's passion. So they were listening and they were eager to stay. But let's look and see what Paul is doing as he's preaching all night. He only had seven days in this location on this trip, and he wanted to make the most of the last night. Have you ever been on vacation or traveling, and you're like, all right, family, it's the last night. Let's go all out like it's a big deal. Well, he went, all, all, he went, out, he went all out, and, and, and he decided that the most important thing that he could do was further explain the gospel. Everywhere he went, he preached, and he shared this message of Jesus, and here was no different. But on this occasion, he kept on preaching. So when was the last time that you had an opportunity to share Christ with someone? Maybe it was the last night you were going to see them, or maybe it was on a plane. Have you ever sat next to someone on a plane, and you feel that nudging in the Holy Spirit, like, you should say something. Just talk to them. Engage in conversation. Or maybe you were with a group of people on a deployment or something and you were kind of wrapping up your time and you knew you wanted to make a difference for the Lord. Listen, don't be afraid to share Christ. Be passionate about sharing Jesus, just like Paul was. So I wanted to sh share a story with you guys and I was 50-50 on whether or not to share it, but I wanted to anyways. And So several years ago, one of our amazing military wives told me about a situation in a faraway land many years ago, where her husband, who's a Christian, was working closely with a local interpreter in this faraway land. Are you guys tracking? What are you tracking with what I'm saying? Are you? Hello? Okay, there we are. Good. And after regularly working side by side with this interpreter, her husband, remember he was a Christian, began to tell him about Jesus. And whenever her husband could share specifically about Jesus, he did. When he had the opportunity, he took advantage of it. Now, don't think that God can't use you at Walmart, at your job, or on the other side of the world, because he can and he wants to. So after praying and witnessing, my friend's husband led this interpreter to faith in Jesus. 
And I don't know if they stayed connected after that deployment or what came of that, but this soldier, he was willing to risk a lot to share Jesus with this man. And he preached. Remember, you can share Jesus. Preaching is not about standing by, behind here. It's about sharing what God's done in your heart with somebody else. So he preached, and he made the most of his t- time at his deployment. And God used him to change that interpreter's life forever. Have you ever been in a place where you felt that nudging from the Holy Spirit to say something or tell them that God loves them? And all my extrovert friends are like, yes, I can do that easy all the time. And all my introvert friends are like, what if I mess this up, right? Who are my introvert friends in the room? Like, okay, I got to think about it. I'm going to get myself going. But listen, instead of thinking, what if I mess this up? I want you to think, what if I miss this opportunity? So let's take the plunge. We're going to preach. We're going to share Jesus. So far, we've seen that the people were passionate and that Paul was passionate. And now we're going to expect the power of God. So let's keep reading in our story here in Acts chapter 20, verse 8. And it says, There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered. And a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. Uh Uh-oh. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. What? This is a church service gone wrong, okay? (laughs) So here's a young man named Eutychus. You got to picture this. He's probably a teenage boy. And the name Eutychus, the only time that we see him mentioned in scripture, which by the way, his name means lucky. I don't even know what to make of that. (laughs) So he's sitting at the window and the scripture says that it was midnight and he got drowsy. Okay, that seems normal, midnight, right? Most of us probably asleep by then. But Luke tells us there were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered, indicating that it was probably warm in the room, but that's because it was nighttime and they had to have light, but the windows were open for ventilation. So that's why we keep it really cold in here. That's why we have a lot of coffee for you to drink, okay, around here. But Mike told me that he has seen some of you drift off to sleep while he's preaching. I'm just saying. And it is a pretty good view up here. I mean, I can see all of you. But Mike, I just want you to know, don't worry, I have never, I have never fallen asleep. And the messages that I've heard, because I sit in multiple messages every Sunday. I promise, I haven't yet. Right. But I do think if I was feeling sleepy, I probably wouldn't have sat by a third Uh, floor window that was open like to the ground anybody else maybe that's just me but maybe maybe Eutychus thought he was good like I'm good I'm not gonna fall asleep just like when y'all drive tired some of you guys are driving tired don't do it don't do it call a friend wake yourself up right pull over so the Bible clearly tells us in verse 9 that he was found dead and the author of this book remember we talked about it Luke he was a physician so I'm gonna say if the physician said he's dead he's dead Okay, I'm going to trust that. So I think the biblical lesson here is really simple. Don't fall asleep in church. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So look, the truth is that some of you work all night, and I know this because I've talked to you guys. Some of you work all night at a job, and then you come straight here to God's house on Sunday morning, and my hat is off to you. In fact, you're my hero because you're sitting in this this place, in this space when you could be home resting, but you're like, nope, I'm going to come to God's house first, and I'm going to put him first, and then I'll go home and get my rest. You see, that was my mom growing up. She was a nurse. She worked weekend nights in the SICU, and she would be on her feet for 12 hours in that intensive care unit, and I remember she 
she would not go home on Sunday morning. She would meet my dad and me and my brother at church just so that we could be together in the house of God. And I remember many Sundays her sitting in that balcony just dozing off. But look, I didn't work in the SICU all night. She did, working really hard to save lives. And so I don't think, uh, the, the thing was that that made such an impact on my life. And the fact that she made it a priority to be in church, that's what spoke to me and really shaped me. So let's be a people that are passionate for the house of God. Truthfully, I don't really think that sleeping in church is the big deal. I think if someone catches part of a message, that's great. Amen? Amen, right? But Pastor Skip Heitzig says it like this. I'd rather have sleepy people than sleepy hearts. Many of us can sit in a service. And you know what? We can have hearts that are sleepy, not even aware of what God is trying to tell us. We're, we're distracted. We're thinking about what it was, you know, the argument on the way to church. And where are we going? At work? What's for lunch? And what are the kids up to? And I got to see my parents. There's all these things. But let's not worry about our sleeping neighbor. Let's worry about ourselves and being awake and alert to what God is, wants to do in our hearts. So let's keep reading in verse 10. It says, but Paul went down and bent over Eutychus and taking in his arms said, do not be alarmed for his life is in him. Oh my goodness, his life is in him. And Paul basically says, guys, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't be alarmed. His life is in him. I mean, this must have been a really traumatic event. We're kind of joking and laughing about this. But if something like that happened at a service where a young boy died, I mean, it would be traumatic. It would be scary. It would certainly be tragic. I mean, in our church, we do have first aid dream teamers and medics, right? We have our dream teamers ready and we have a prayer team ready. I mean, like we're ready to go. But there was something inside of Paul that was confident enough to stop his preaching, which I hope, and go down where this young man was to handle the situation. I mean, if we were in the room, I bet all eyes were on this situation. You've been in, a, I'm, sur I'm sure, a circumstance where something tragic has happened and everyone's like glued, like, what's, like, help, what are we going to do? And Paul goes down to where the boy is on the ground, and Scripture says he bent over him, took his arms like a hug, and brought healing to his body. Paul raises him from the dead. What? How incredible is this? And by the way, there's two instances in other places in the Old Testament where we see Elijah raise a widow's son from the dead. And he cried out, oh, Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. And we also see in 2 Kings where Elisha raises a Shunammite son from the dead. So I think that Paul knew his scripture, and he just believed that God could do it. He expected the power of God. I mean, that's confidence. And in the same way, you need to expect the power of God in your life. It may not be a resurrection of the dead, but have an expectancy. This was a bona fide miracle, a resurrection of the dead. I can't get over the fact that it just seems like it was so normal for Paul, like not a big deal, I'm just gonna go raise this kid from the dead. And he actually said, remember, don't worry, don't be alarmed for his body has life. He had such a confidence. Listen, things happen in life, and sometimes things do happen unexpectedly, but don't be alarmed. We can have confidence in the midst of normal tragedies because Paul had peace, and you can have peace. When we know the Prince of Peace, we can walk in that peace, right? Paul wasn't panicked. He wasn't frantic. He was calm. He was walking in an authority from the Lord. So in tragedy, we're not gonna react, we're gonna respond. And in these moments, that is when we put our faith into practice. So think about this. All night long, he'd been preaching so far till midnight, and he's not done, by the way. 
um, <laughs> if you've read ahead. And, and he's talking about the things of the Lord, and all of a sudden they get to put it into practice. Something tragic happens, and his faith is exercised, and everybody in that room got to witness that. So put your faith into practice. And remember, even in Acts 19.11, it said that God was doing, you remember this, extraordinary miracles by the hand of Paul? We just read that. So this was a pattern that was happening often. Not just miracles, but extraordinary miracles. So listen what happens next. Paul's not done. He just resurrected Eutychus from the dead. And let's read verse 11 together. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread, so now he goes back up after healing him, and he eats maybe a midnight snack or meal in the middle of the night. He keeps preaching the rest of the night, and he conversed with them a long while until daybreak and so departed. Did you see that? That's like when daylight comes up. Paul preached all night, you guys, all night long. Okay, now it might be easy for us to be critical of Paul preaching all night, but if you were listening to someone preach, someone dies on the spot, he's resurrected on the spot, I'd probably be awake the rest of the service too. Anybody else? Like wide awake all night. <laughs> but I will say that we serve an amazing and powerful God. Verse 12 says, and they took the youth away alive, and they were not a little comforted. So we see that uh, unusual language there, not a little comforted. We heard that last week. Basically, they were extremely comforted. So here's Eutychus being led around. He's being walked around as a visible proof of the miracle. And this, it says, encouraged the believers. They were comforted. They were encouraged. So there is a power and a testimony and a miracle that God, that's going to edify your faith. So if I saw someone raised from the dead, I would definitely have my faith built up. I don't know about you. So how many of us in here have seen a miracle or experienced a miracle right around us? Tell somebody. It's gonna encourage someone. It's gonna edify somebody, I promise. So several years ago, I was having pain in both of my shoulders and every time I would go to, even in worship, like on a Sunday, you know, I'd try to raise my hands and it was just painful. And um, Mike and I were at a church service. We were in Alabama. And it was during the worship time. It wasn't even during the message or at the end when we were praying. And I, and I felt the Lord said, just raise your hands and worship me. I thought, okay, despite the pain, I'm just going to raise my hands. And I'm telling you, in that moment, instantly, God healed both of my shoulders. And there was no more pain in my shoulders. We serve an amazing God. He is the one that did the healing. And so... We're going to expect the power of God in our lives, and then we need to share it. Just like I told you that simple story about my shoulders, share with somebody what God's done in your life. Listen, you can bring comfort and encourage other people. Maybe they're going through a difficult time, a difficult season, and lift their spirit. Some of you have a testimony of God providing a financial miracle. Share it. Some of you, God has restored your marriage. Share that with somebody. That's going to lift someone's spirit. God has set some of you free from addiction. Share that. God has allowed shame to wash off of you. Share that. The Lord has washed your sin away. Listen, and this is the greatest miracle of all and that you are forgiven and you have received salvation. Share that with somebody. That is the greatest miracle we will ever experience. Someone needs to hear your miracle and hear your story. So finally today, we need to stay focused. Everybody say, stay focused. So in verse 13, it says, but going ahead to the ship, we, there's that first person again, we, so Luke and, and the guys, they set sail for Asos, intending to take Paul aboard there. 
For so he had arranged, intending himself to go by land. So for whatever reason, Paul wanted to walk on foot, and the rest of them went uh, by ship. Verse 14 says, And when he met us at Asos, we took him on board and went to Mytilene. So they caught up together there in Asos, went on to the next location. 15 says, And sailing from there, we came the following day opposite Chios. The next day we touched at Samos, and the day after we went to Miletus. Now, Miletus, I want you to remember because next week something very important happens there. Mike's going to preach that message, and I don't want you to miss that. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia. Remember, Paul was very connected in Ephesus, and he was trying to get to Jerusalem, and he didn't want to get sidetracked with all of that. So he's going, by the way, all these names and places, there's a lot of locations in Acts. This is when you get your map out. Remember, I'm the map nerd. I do love a good map. But when you're, when you're studying God's word, pull it out and figure out where they, where they are and where they're going. It says, for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. So here we see that Paul is wrapping up his third and final missionary journey. And for him, listen, he knew that things were probably going to be coming to a close on his life. Because going back to Jerusalem, there was still a lot of heavy persecution. And it was going to cost him everything. And he knew that. So the reason we're going to stay focused here is that we see that Paul loved the church. But he kept in mind the big picture. Paul was focused. He was a great leader, so he was mapping out his journeys. I mean, it's a big deal to travel and tell as many people in the known world about this Jesus as he can, and he's been doing that for years and years, and he knows that that's coming to the end. So he can plan the big picture, but also he can get in the weeds and preach all night, so he's good at both. So he's a great leader, but he's keeping in mind the big picture. He's staying focused on what God has called him to do. And by the way, this... This day of Pentecost that was approaching, that, that was the annual gathering where people from all over the world would come to share and be together. And he definitely wanted to be there for that. But he knew it was risky and he knew he probably was going to be arrested. And even after going to Jerusalem, he eventually wanted to get to Rome. And if you know your map, Jerusalem is this direction and Rome is that direction. Not even close. You say, why Rome? Well, Rome ruled the world. And he wanted to get to the top influencers with the gospel. So you see how he's staying focused? And it was in the spirit in Acts 19.21. Remember, we read this last week where he prayed and he had that before him. And ultimately he said, I want to get to Jerusalem and I have to get to Rome. It was in his heart. He keeps that before him. So Paul is staying focused. He was so passionate for what God had put in his heart, just like you and I should be. So I have a question for you. What has God called you to do that you already need to stay on mission? What has the Lord already spoken to you in his word that he's just waiting on you to do? Some of us want a, a new word, a fresh idea, and he's going, no, 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 go back to that thing that I put in your heart years ago. Maybe I'm calling you to go back to school. Maybe I'm calling you to witness to your neighbor. Why don't you keep discipling your children? We, we need to get back to the things that the Lord's already called us to do and don't lose focus. Let's stay on mission for those things. So my hope today is that we're going to be people of passion. Remember what I said earlier, we're gonna be passionate for God's church, for his word, for prayer, for worshiping, for serving, for hearing the voice of God. And we're gonna develop that. Those things don't just randomly happen. It takes intentionality. We're gonna cultivate this. Secondly, we're gonna be people that expect the power of God. You need to expect the miraculous in your life. 
Just have an expectancy. I feel like that's faith and it's a muscle that we need to build. And sometimes our faith is weak and small, but that's why we hear testimony. That's why we hear the preaching of the word and it's gonna build our faith and we're gonna grow that. And we're gonna stay focused. What has God already called you to do? So really this message wasn't about trying to not sleep in church. But church, I would say it this way, we need to stay awake spiritually. We need to stay awake spiritually, amen? Let's not hit the snooze button. So many of us, we're hearing the Holy Spirit talk to us or encourage us in certain things. And and the Bible says we need to stay alert, be awake. And some of us, we're hitting the snooze button. God's knocking on your heart's door. And you say, snooze, I'll just keep scrolling. The Lord's saying, I want you to get on that dream team. You know how many babies in there need to be rocked? What a blessing that you could share Christ for the first time with a child. Say, I'll do that when the year comes, snooze. Maybe some of you, you know, you wanna make a difference and you wanna say something to that neighbor who's so grumpy all the time and you just can't snooze. I'll do that another time. So I'm here to sound the alarm today because we are a part of a world that's dark, it's dying and it needs a bright gospel. And that's you and that's me being equipped with the power of the Holy Spirit to go and be used where the Spirit is flowing out of us because we've spent time in God's Word. And then when someone bumps into us, we can't help but spill out over them. Hey, did you know that God loves you? Did you know that God wants to save you? He has a plan for your life. Let me pray for you. Your cousin's sick. Let's pray for them right now. We're going to expect the power of God. I'm going to lay hands on you. The Bible says to, so let's pray. In Jesus' name, would you bring healing? I mean, it could be that simple. Build your faith this morning. Be expecting that God can and that He's going to use you. So can we all stand today as we close out? I believe that some of us today, we're wrestling with how to be passionate for God. These three steps, be passionate, expect the power of God, stay focused. Man, that that seems like it's easy for other people, but that's hard for me. I can't quite seem to get the motivation or it's yes today on Sunday, but it's different on Monday. So I just wanna ask him as a church right now that he would fill us with fresh desire, fresh passion for the Lord, that we're gonna stay awake spiritually, we're going to be alert. We're going to be listening, hearing, whatever it is that God wants us to do. So I want to pray, if you would, in this place, all over and online, you can join us as well. If you want to raise your hands to the Lord. God, thank you for this encouraging word in Scripture today that reminds us of our love for us. And really, it was you that were first passionate about us. Thank you, God, that while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us. We thank you for that. And maybe that's you in this place and you say, I've never made a decision to follow Jesus or you need to make a recommitment to follow Jesus. Now is your moment. We're not gonna hit the snooze button. We're gonna say, Lord, here I am. I want you to have my heart. So if that's you and you're in this place and you say, I would like to accept Christ as my savior, would you be so bold as to raise your hand? It's just for me so that I can pray over you. If that's you in this place today, raise it really high so I can see. Yes, thank you. Thank you. You need to make that recommitment. It's time, I wanna follow Jesus. All right, let's all pray together. And those of you who have your hands raised, especially pray this and mean this from the bottom of your heart. Say, Jesus, let's say it again, Jesus, Thank you for loving me. I need you. 
I confess my sin and I ask for forgiveness. I believe that you died and you rose again on the third day. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me and filling me with the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And maybe if you're in this place today and you say, I'm the person, I just need fresh passion. I need that fire to be stoked in my heart. I want God to use me. I just, I need that motivation. If that's you, will you raise your hand? I'm gonna raise my hand. I want God to use more of me all the time, every day. So let's just pray together. Lord, I thank you for every person that can hear my voice online, in the room, wherever they are, if they're driving, Lord, if they're here. God, I thank you for hearts that would stay awake this morning. God, wake us up. God, allow us to hear what you want us to hear. God, give us ears to hear and heart to receive all that you have for us. God, we want more of you. We desire that this morning. Help us to put our feet and our hands where our heart is today. Give us strategic plans and ways to connect with you. God, with intentionality, we love you. We wanna be used by you. And we wanna share with others what you've done in us. Give us boldness, give us confidence and trust to expect miracles. Build our faith right now. Help us not to shy away from stepping out to be used by you. God, we are yours. So right now with your eyes closed all over this place, just take a moment, receive what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. The Holy Spirit's so good to lead us and comfort us and guide us. I think that the Holy Spirit right now is leading some of you to make some changes in your life. Maybe it is going back to school. Maybe it is to pull that devotional back out with your spouse or with your kids or with your neighbor. Maybe it is to start that small group. Holy Spirit, whatever it is that you're nudging us, we receive that. God, we even confess our own arrogance that says that we think we can do this without you. God, we cannot do this life without you. We are completely dependent upon your spirit and we just receive that right now. We are completely yours today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. Can we give God some praise in this place today?